Thank you, Sheila. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. It's here on this uh, this Sunday called Reign of Christ or, or the um, Christ the King Sunday. You're welcome here today. And uh, we're talking a lot about where God is in tough times. So this song at the beginning is Song of Hope. And you will have a chance to sing with that song. There'll be some uh, music on the wall for you. So as it feels comfortable, you're welcome to join in. Um, so glad you're here. The bell choir's here, Ron's here, Brian Plevenick is here. So thanks for being here at Trinity this morning. Song of Hope. Seems that God has got a plan to heal this world as only God can. And I'm just a traveler searching as are you and seeking to follow and to do. I will rise and sing this song of hope. I will sing this song with you. For I have faith that God through me and you is making all things new. Times of trial in times of doubt When it's not clear what God is about The Spirit is alive in us Filling our gifts with breath Our joy is to answer and say Yes, I will heal, you will prophesy some will teach the timeless truths feed the hungry free the prisoner guided by the flame i will rise and sing this song of hope i will sing this song with you for i have faith that god is making all things new once more i will rise and sing this song of hope i will sing this song with you for i have faith that god through me and you is Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Uh, bell Choir's here. Thank you, the Bell Choir. Uh, Ron and Sheila and Brian Plebenek's going to sing for us this morning as well. Uh, and all those online, we welcome you. It's foggy and cold here in Freeland, but the power's on. 
Uh, we've had Thanksgivings when the power hasn't been on, so we give thanks for that as well. Thank you for being here. Thanks for coming out this morning. Uh, the order of service is printed for you in your bulletin. Uh, everything will be projected for you as well. I uh, hope you had enough turkey. Everyone had enough turkey over the weekend? Leftovers? It's good to be together. If it's comfortable, I invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. A thanksgiving hymn, praise and thanksgiving. welcomed all who came to him, regardless of social status, wealth, family, ethnicity, race, gender, holiness, righteousness, purity, illness, disability, limitations, intelligence, mental health, abilities, religion, faith, or commitment, so do we welcome all who come, all who are sent, all who join us. For God has called us all to be one family in Christ. Amen. We continue with a, our harvest theme, Dancing at the Harvest. Uh, it's a call and response. Carl's going to lead us. Uh, I think you'll do fine. Every time that refrain happens, it happens twice. So we'll be ready for that.
Good and gracious God, give us glad and generous hearts as we celebrate this Thanksgiving. Send your Holy Spirit to inspire our worship, to open our hearts and minds to your truth, that we may depart from this place with an attitude of gratitude and a renewed commitment to Christian service. We pray in the name that is above all other names, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The gospel lesson is from the fifth chapter of Matthew. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. The word of the Lord. Sheila, thank you to the Bell Choir. Thanks for sharing with us. God's action, even God's judgment, is not really a threat to our faith. 
It is the silence of God. The deafening silence that brings untold doubt and despair to our journey. Have you ever wondered at any point in your life, have you ever wondered if God is really listening? Have you ever wondered if God cares about your particular predicament? Where is God when the days are dark and hope is hard to come by? Maybe that's it right there. <laughs> Thanks for the answer. I'll sit down. <laughs> Let's see if uh, you pay attention to advertising. Can you complete this phrase? Like a good neighbor. Yeah, nicely done. You're in good hands with? Perfect. You know, insurance is an interesting concept, is it not? You pay your premiums each month, but unless you're in a car wreck or your house burns down, you do not get anything for your money. You pay your premiums each month on your health insurance, but if you remain healthy, you might not get your money's worth. Insurance coverage attempts to make us whole after an accident or illness or disaster. That means that you need to have an accident or illness or disaster before your help arrives. Now, wouldn't it be great if insurance would just protect you ahead of time? Wouldn't it be great if you could buy insurance and it would protect us from all sorts of calamity before they ever happened? If only insurance would surround us with a force field, cars would bounce off, they would miss us, pandemics would be repelled, king tides would do no harm, and fires could not harm our home or our loved ones. Now that would be a premium worth paying for, would it not? Sometimes I think that's exactly what we're looking for from God. We are looking for protection from the slings and arrows of this world. We want God to be the force field to protect us from all danger. But in fact, God is a lot more like State Farm. The premiums are different, but the coverage is about the same. As people of faith, we want more. We expect more from our God. We expect our God to have more power and to use it to protect us from times of trial. But you know as well as I do that none of us are spared. We have no insurance to protect us as we journey through a fallen world where fallen people have the capacity to mess up their lives and to mess up our lives as well. Now in Psalm 119, we encounter a person who is deeply troubled, a person of faith who paid the premiums of faith. And this is a quote from Psalm 119. My soul has longed for your salvation. I have put my hope in your word. My eyes have failed from watching for your promise. I have been faithful and still I suffer. And now I say, when will you comfort me? How much longer must I wait? Let me translate that for you. 
God, do you hear me? God, do you care? Why is this happening? Where is God when I am calling out in such need? It was 48 years ago this month that sailors aboard the Edmund Fitzgerald set out from Superior, Wisconsin. The Mighty Fitz, as she was called, was the largest ship on the Great Lakes when she was launched. She was more than two football fields long. On November the 9th, 1975, the Fitzgerald was filled with 26,000 long tons of taconite ore. She set out to cross Lake Superior as she had 500 times before. The owner of the Fitzgerald? The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company. Lake Superior, you should know, is not a lake at all. 21% of all the fresh water in the world is in the Great Lakes. And in fact, Lake Superior is an inland sea. You could take the water from all the other Great Lakes and it wouldn't fill up Lake Superior. On that stormy night, the mighty Fitz would do battle with a violent inland sea. The wind gusts were over 80 miles per hour. The waves battering the Fitzgerald were 25 feet tall. That night, men of faith would experience the terrifying fury of nature. And in desperation, they would look to heaven and ask the eternal question, where is God? Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? Brian's going to sing for us. Legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they called Itchigumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron or 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed When the gales of November came early The ship was the pride of the American side Coming back from some mill in Wisconsin As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most With the crew and good captain well seasoned Concluding some terms with a couple of steel when they left fully loaded for Cleveland And later that night when the ship's bell rang Could it be the north wind they'd been feeling? The wind in the wires made a tattletale sound And a wave broke over Every man knew as 
the captain did too. Twas the witch of November come stealing. But dawn came late and the breakfast had to wait when the gales of November came slashing. When afternoon came, it was freezing rain in the face of a hurricane west wind. Supper time came, the old cook came on deck, saying, fellas, it's too rough to feed you. At 7 p.m. it grew dark, it was then, he said, fellas, it's been good to know ya. The captain wired in, he had water coming in, and the good ship and crew was in peril. And later that night, when his lights went out of sight, came the wreck of the Edmund Anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? The searchers all say they'd have made Whitefish Bay if they'd put 15 more miles behind her. They might have split up or they might have capsized. They may have broke deep and took water. And all that remains is the faces and the names of the wives and the sons and the daughters. Lake Huron rolls, Superior sings in the rooms of her ice water mansions. Old Michigan steams like a young man's dreams. The islands and bays are for sportsmen. Father below Lake Ontario takes in the Lake Erie Center, and the iron boats go as the mariners all know with the gales of November. Remember, In a musty old hall in Detroit they prayed At the Maritime Sailors Cathedral The church bell chimed till it rang twenty-nine times For each man on the Edmund Fitzgerald The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down Of the big lake they call Kitchikumi Superior, they said, never gives up a dead when the winds of November come early. God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours.
A ship sinks. Lives are lost. And the people can't help but wonder, where is God in all of this? The wildfires burn. The waters rise. The markets fall. Your, work's dis your work disappears. Your mortgage goes unpaid. And the cry goes up, where is God? The diagnosis comes back. The cancer is spread. The doctor is polite. The future is bleak. Outwardly brave, inside we crumble and we wonder, where is God? We say our prayers. We live in faith. We trust in God. We paid our premiums. And really, where does it get us? Still our marriages lose their joy. Our days are long and full of burdens and loneliness is sometimes our closest companion. Where is God in my suffering? From the beginning of time, our ancestors have asked the very same questions that we do. You may remember the Old Testament story of Job. He was blameless and upright. He feared God and he turned away from all evil. He had one wife and ten kids and financial security and fine health. In short, life was good. And then in an instant, it wasn't. In an instant, he lost it all. Thieves came. Fires burned. A tornado killed his children. Sores appeared on his body, covering Job from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. He sat among the ashes of his life, the ash pile of grief, and he scraped his sores. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? Job called out to God. Job called out saying, human life is hard. Month after month, I have nothing to live for. Night after night brings me grief. When I lie down to sleep, the hours drag on. I toss and turn all night long, and I yearn for the dawn. My days pass without hope. Quiet? No, I can't be quiet. I did nothing to deserve this. This is not fair. I'm angry and bitter, and I have to speak. Job cried out to God shaking his fist towards heaven. And then God gave Job something to think about. God said, Who are you, Job, to question my wisdom with your ignorant, empty words? Were you there? Were you there when I made the world? If you know so much, tell me about it, Job. Who decided how large it would be? Who stretched the measuring line over it. Do you know the answers, Job? Have you ever in all your life commanded a day to dawn? Have you walked the floor of the ocean? Do you know, Job, where the light comes from or what is the source of darkness? Do you know? Job did not know. He did not know the mysteries of God, but he knew his own pain. He knew what misery was. He had paid his premiums, and now he suffered. In anguish, he could not help but wonder, where is God? Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? Elie Wiesel was still a teenager 
when he and his family were taken from their home to a German concentration camp. Wiesel spent much of his youth in study, learning about God, learning about the traditions of the Jewish people, praying and giving thanks. Now he was on a train with his mother and his father and his three sisters. The youngest, Zipporah, was only a child. Wiesel writes these words. We had reached the station. Those who were next to the windows told us its name, Auschwitz. No one had ever heard that name. An SS officer came to meet us. He gave the order, men to the left, women to the right. Eight words spoken quietly, indifferently, without emotion, eight short, simple words. Yes, that was the moment when I parted from my mother. I had not had time to think, but already I felt the pressure of my father's hand. We were alone. For a part of a second, I glimpsed my mother and my sisters moving away to the right. Zipporah held my mother's hand. I saw them disappear into the darkness. My mother was stroking my sister's fair hair as though to protect her while I walked with my father and the other men. And I did not know that in that place, at that moment, I was parting for my mother and Zipporah forever. I went on walking. My father held onto my hand. For Wazel and his father, the months ahead would drag on. Death, starvation, brutality were all around. And then finally, the Jews in Auschwitz decided to put God on trial. The mock trial took place in the night in the darkness of their prison barracks. The evidence was presented. These were God's chosen people, good people, family people. Now they suffered terribly. All hope was gone. It was not fair. It was not right. And where was God? Why was God so quiet? Why did God not wake up from slumber and deliver these poor, suffering people? No, they could not be quiet. They were tired. They were angry. They were bitter. Their tears that they cried were the same tears shed by their ancestors 3,500 years earlier as they made bricks for Pharaoh living and dying in slavery. The trial was intense and passionate. The verdict was swift, and it was unanimous. God is guilty, they said. God has forgotten us. Now then, let us go and say our prayers to God. God was guilty, but in faith the Jewish people had nowhere else to turn but to God. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? And sometimes in faith, we have nowhere else to turn. There'll be times in all of our lives when the clouds of despair will surround us. There'll be times of impatience and uncertainty. In our physical and emotional pain, there will be times when we will look heavenward and join the chorus of a thousand faithful generations saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Where is God in my suffering? They asked that question on Lake Superior. They asked that question in the aftermath of every school shooting, every natural disaster, in the twisted rubble of 9-11, 
and now as innocents suffer in Palestine and Israel and the Ukraine. Job wanted an answer. The exiled people of Israel needed to know, as did the Jews in Auschwitz. And so do we. Where is God in our suffering? Where is God in the midst of the pain that is uniquely ours and at the same time a part of the journey that we all share and experience? Why does God seem so silent, so oblivious to my pain? In the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, we find ourselves standing at graveside with Jesus. The entire village of Bethany was in grief. The sisters Martha and Mary had lost their brother, and Jesus had lost his dear friend. Lazarus was only 30 years old, a young man, a good man, and he was suddenly dead. Was God silent? No. The text tells us that Jesus wept. Jesus wept there graveside. Two words which give us great insight into the human journey. Two words which give us a glimpse of the very heart of Almighty God. Two words which speak of the shared pain between a parent and a child, between God and humans. Jesus wept at the loss of a friend. Wept as he was surrounded by raw grief of an entire community. Jesus wept, God weeping. Why? Why would an all-powerful God weep? Because not everything that happens in this world is according to plan. Because not everything that happens is God's will. Because not everything that happens is the way that God desires it. You want proof? Jesus wept. Jesus wept because death, especially death out of season, is not God's will. You want proof? Jesus healed the lame and the sick. And by doing so, he loudly proclaimed that sickness and disability are contrary to God's desire. Why are you suffering? I don't know, really. You may be suffering because in your free will, you made some poor decisions. To smoke, to drink and drive, to cheat on your spouse, to spend what you should have saved, to eat cinnamon rolls and not exercise? Why are you suffering? You may be suffering because your neighbor in their free will made self-centered choices that have caused you pain, to pollute the groundwater, to play rap music when you're trying to sleep. You may be suffering because of the corruption of the government. You may be suffering because your house was built on a floodplain. You may be suffering because you just had bad luck being in the wrong place at the wrong time. You see, suffering is sometimes just that, just random, without reason or explanation. But suffering, your suffering, your mind, it's not the will of God. God is not sending suffering your way as some test to see how much you can take. God has not inflicted you with cancer to teach you the bigger lessons in life. No, you may learn those bigger lessons in life as a result of your life experience, but please do not make God into a monster, a monster who inflicts suffering on his children. 
We lock up parents like that. They are sick. And yet so many have found strange comfort in creating God in that image. You want a better image of God? Here it is. Jesus wept. Jesus touched the untouchable. He healed the sick. Jesus forgave the trespassers of sinners. Jesus washed feet. Jesus took our pain upon himself, and he died on that cross for us. That's the image of our God. But what about our suffering? Why me? I guess we'd have to say, why not you? Should you be the first in history to escape the human condition? Should you expect to skate through life unscathed? Should you expect to escape death on a chariot of fire? No, in the mystery of God's creation, there is no heavenly force field to protect us. We live in a world where no one escapes brokenness and betrayal and sorrow and pain. State Farm cannot protect you. Northwestern Mutual could not protect the mighty fits. Sorrow, pain, betrayal, and death are part of the journey. Expect it. Prepare for it. Surround yourself with good friends as you have today and help others in their sorrow. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? Where is God in our suffering? Right there by our side. Forgiving, touching, washing, weeping, always there. We are never alone. Do we understand it? No. We can only believe it. And that's where what faith is, to believe in something that we cannot understand or explain. And so we turn to God in our doubt and in our faith, in our joy and in our sorrow. We join generations in cursing and embracing the mystery. God's action. Even God's judgment is not a threat to our faith. It's the silence of God that bothers us. That deafening silence. But God is not silent as you weep. No, God is weeping with you. We may be broken from time to time, but we're not alone. Look around. We're all in this together. Amen. Saying, Eternal Father, strong to save.
Each petition will end, hear our prayer, and our response, peace, be still. Suquamish and Snohomish land, let this translate into a commitment to protect and heal this planet, especially for those who suffer most here and throughout the world, often having offended the least. God of hope, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we give thanks for your bold and uncommon reign, where you ask us to release the captives, bring good news to the poor, and free the oppressed. We give thanks for a brief window of hope in Palestine as most violence paused and many captives were released. We know it will take a change of heart to heal this story. Let us bravely heed your call to love enemies and pray for persecutors as we actively resist evil in the world. God of hope, hear our prayer. that our life's end, we know that at our life's end, 
You would rather we were excluded for those we included rather than included for those we excluded. To that end, we pray for all who are lonely or shunned, for all who grieve, for all who are suffering from any illness or impairment. God of hope, hear our prayer. Jesus' gentle promise and guidance, we are in your hands, O God. We offer these prayers to you in the name of your Son, our light and our hope. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. Share a sign of peace and greeting with one another. Now, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, now I'm alive and in color. Thank you for sharing that greeting of peace. After service, come on over in the gym. Coffee, cookies, fellowship uh, together. Um, take time to get to know people you haven't met maybe. We have visitors every week. Take a little time to get to know them and enjoy some fellowship together there. Uh, speaking of fellowship, we have 4 by 4 sign-ups right now for 4 by 4 dinners. That's... Uh, Singles, couples, whatever, sign up, uh, and then after the holidays, uh, mid-January, January, February, March, April, kind of in that period, those four-by-fours, those groups will be put together, and you have dinner with uh, different people, get to know different people in the parish, have dinner at other people's homes, and get to see pictures of their kids and pet their dog and all that stuff, and uh, you'll know them better after that. So you can sign up. That, that is right out there. Also, uh, we have a funeral service uh, for Leon Josephson on December 9th, right here at the church. Uh, Leon, a longtime member of our church, uh, born here on the island, and um, that service is going to be December 9th at 1 p.m. If you can serve for, at that reception or if you can bake cookies, there's a sign-up out there for that as well. So just sign up for that out in the narthex. And I'm looking to Deacon Amy, I guess. She's what, nodding at me. Good morning. Sunday Forum is uh, down the hall in the fireside room at 9.30. Linda Neverman will be speaking this morning about um, Christmas crafts and traditions. She'll have some fun things to share with us. I saw her come in early and get all set up down there. So I encourage you to head down the hall um, after you grab your cookie and cup of coffee this morning. And then next Sunday, um, we'll have a speaker from um, Fred Hutch Cancer Center to speak about spirituality and healthcare. 
So again, another interesting topic next Sunday. And then a note, if you ordered poinsettias from our high school band members, they were selling those a couple weeks ago, they will be available here next Sunday morning, the 3rd. Thanks. Thank you, Amy. And now our volunteer coordinator, the Mad Hatter, Lana Johnson. <laughs> yeah, good morning. Uh, two quick announcements. Um, the first one... is our December luncheon. December 14th at noon here, everybody is welcome. The theme is Christmas um, food. So think about what your tradition is or always has been. Um, you probably should like it though. You know, I've got some that my mom used to make that I will never make. Um, so think about a tradition and uh, bring that for us to share and then we can meet each other and figure out how that was so special to you. Please no cookies though, because you know, we shouldn't eat only cookies. All right, so then the next one. It's almost December. <clears throat> that means our December signups are out for volunteers. You're going to see December and January on the far wall, and since next Sunday is December, we need a lot of volunteers. Um, you will notice that down at the bottom, the 24th and the 31st, we are only having an 8 a.m. and a 10 a.m. service those two Sundays. So that's why there's no three. There's not three boxes. Okay, so there's only two, and I do know that. Um, and I put the times on those two boxes. So if you are able to help usher or greet or serve coffee, um, it would be great if you would sign up and share the fun with everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Lana. Thank you very much. Uh, actually, on the 24th, we have five services because it's uh, we have eight and ten in the morning, and then we have four, six, and eight at night. So it'll be uh, Christmas Eve, so it'll be a busy night for us. Uh, lots of other announcements for any bulletin. Read those very carefully. And now as we kind of transition towards the end of the service, if it's comfortable, I invite you to stand. And we will sing and pray together as Jesus taught us, singing the Lord's Prayer. depart from this place of worship, go out those doors, find your place of service. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you.
May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending hymn, This Is My Song.